This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's take our Bibles tonight. If you would turn, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And then we're going to be moving into the book of Hebrews tonight. But we'll start out Mark, chapter 4. As you're turning, I appreciate the good feedback that I've been getting on this series, uh, Measuring the Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, I love hearing from you and, uh, and hope that this will continue to challenge us. This evening, we want to continue to measure the progress of Bunyan's pilgrim who is seeking deliverance from his burden of sin uh, and he's seeking the celestial city. Although he hasn't yet received salvation, he is learning along his journey about how great salvation is available to man, uh, the salvation that he will soon receive. He's also learning this from faithful servants of God who are intervening in his life at divinely appointed times. Pilgrim's Progress is a reminder to us that in our journeys, God wants our lives to intersect with those who don't know Christ. And whatever we share, whatever uh, truth from God's word, whatever encouragement uh, we share, God can use that. We can be the evangelist. Uh, we can be Mr. Goodwill. We can be interpreter. Let me share a testimony with you. Uh, this just happened to me on Monday night uh, after a rehearsal here. Uh, went home and, and we love our fire pit. We were outside, had a fire going and uh, uh, eating fat-free s'mores with fat-free Hershey chocolate. You know, okay. So we were out there having a good time, and then it got late. It was already late, and uh, so everyone went inside, and I was putting chairs away and, and so on. It was dark, and I heard a voice behind me over the fence. And I turned around, and it was a young man who lives in our neighborhood. I think he's probably uh, mid-high school, and uh, he wanted to talk. And so I invited him inside the fence. We sat down by the fire. We talked for about an hour. Let me tell you about this young man. Uh, I live in a town, many of you know the town, where uh, there are good areas and there are not so good areas. I'm still trying to determine which of those areas I, I live in, okay? Uh, but this past summer, a group of boys were, wanted to play basketball on our driveway. And uh, so they were out there, and I was interacting with them and, and talking to them, and, and then they, they just moved on, uh, summer vacation. It was one of these young men, and he was walking home from a friend's house and saw me outside, and he wanted to talk. Here's what began our conversation. Uh, he was involved in a shooting in our town uh, a couple months ago. He was shot twice. And he showed me where he was shot. He's still got a bullet in his back. He's looking at surgery coming up. 
Now it began to be clear to me why he wanted to talk. And so as we sat there, I got to give him the gospel. That night I got to be evangelist, goodwill. I just wanted to know how he was doing. And interpreter, because he had his ideas about eternity. And so I got to be interpreter too. Now, he did not come to Christ, but I had the opportunity to give him the, all the gospel and to plead with him about eternity, um, to come to Christ, and, and he, he wasn't ready. That's what he said. He wasn't ready. But I anticipate that he's going to be back and we're going to get to talk some more. Would you pray with me about that? But you never know when your life is going to intersect with somebody else's life. It could be late in the evening like that and just somebody coming up to your, the, the fence in your yard. Okay, and, uh, and so that's what we find in the Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's current companion is interpreter who returns to his own house again to show him a little more of what Pilgrim must understand. He takes him by the hand and he leads him to a very dark room where there sat a man in an iron cage. Now, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know that this is probably the most difficult section of what Bunyan wrote. And so uh, I want to I move ahead quickly to explain, and you'll understand why this is a difficult part. So a man in an iron cage. Now the man... Uh, to look, as, as Pilgrim looked on him, seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if his heart would break. Then said Pilgrim, what does this mean? At which interpreter bid him talk to the man. Ask him. What are you? asked Pilgrim. The man answered, I am what once was not. Pilgrim, what were you once? The man, I was once a fair and flourishing professor of the faith, both in mine own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I once was, as I thought, prepared for the celestial city, and back then even had enjoyed at the thoughts of what I should get there. Pilgrim, well, but what are you now? The man, I am now a man of despair. I am shut up in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, how, or now I cannot. Pilgrim, but did you come, or how did you come into this condition? The man replied, I left off watching and being sober. I gave control over to my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I was tempted by the devil. I have provoked God to anger and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Then said Pilgrim to interpreter, But is there no hope for such a man as this? Interpreter again, ask him. Pilgrim then looked at the man and said, Is there no hope, but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? The man said, No hope. 
None at all. Pilgrim. But the son of the blessed is full of pity. Then the man said, I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted the blood an unholy thing. I have done despot to the spirit of grace. Therefore I have shut myself out of all the promises and there is now remaining to me nothing but threatenings. Dreadful threatenings of certain judgment and fury, uh, furious indignation which shall devour me as an adversary. Pilgrim, but what did you bring yourself, uh, how did you bring yourself into this condition? The man said, for the lusts, pleasures, the profits of this world's sin, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. Pilgrim, but you cannot now repent and turn? The man, God has denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe, yea, he himself has shut me up in his iron cage, nor can all the men in the world let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity! How shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity? Then said interpreter to pilgrim, Let this man's misery be remembered by thee, and be an everlasting caution to thee. Now let me just pause. Why would this why would this be included? Why would Bunyan write on this? And already you're thinking what what kind of a state is this referring to? And probably even as the man in the iron cage responded, you started to recognize some scripture passages that he's quoting, obviously uh, that Bunyan is inserting here. And so let's just pause for a moment and talk about what we know from Scripture is the doctrine of reprobation. You say, what is that? Well, it's referring to a person becoming reprobate, turning from the faith. That often isn't preached much today and certainly isn't much discussed by Christians but it was part of the theology of Puritans and Separatists in Bunyan's day. The scripture does tell us that before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a great apostatizing. In fact, Jude refers to that. And it's interesting that in the canon of scripture, that apostatizing, what's described in Jude, happens almost as uh, the... Um, the doorway into the book of Revelation. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, that was his intent, all right, to have it that way. But what, what is this doctrine of someone becoming reprobate? And so let's take a look at that. You're in Mark 4. These are, these are passages that are shrouded a little bit in mystery. 
I think they're intended by the Holy Spirit in Scripture to jar those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And the parable of the sower, has the, have these verses give, caused you to pause and to wonder? Look at verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Remember, the sower puts out the seed. Lands on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with, and what's the next word? Gladness. And have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises in the, uh, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And here's the idea. They get offended, and they turn away. They don't want to have anything more to do with it. That describes becoming reprobate. Saying you embrace the truth, the ideals of the truth uh, about Christ, but at some point in your life you turn and have nothing more to do with it. Can that happen? Jesus just taught that it does happen. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 6. And we've got theologians, preachers in the room tonight. And if you know chapter content, I mentioned Hebrews 6, and you know there, there are, there's some difficult teaching here. Hebrews chapter 6, notice verse 6. If they shall fall away, there's the apostatizing, to renew them again under repentance... Seeing they crucify uh, themselves, let me, let's see. Yeah, that's where I wanted to start. Okay. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is uh, dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But then the writer of Hebrews says, But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany, and here's, here's almost what the context is, is saying, that accompany true salvation. Others have, have declared faith, okay? You possess faith though we thus speak. All right. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Another one of the passages that give us cause to pause. Hebrews 10, look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 29, of what, uh, how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath tried underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot under the Spirit of grace. All right. What do you do with those passages? Because the passages are teaching 
what looks like genuine salvation. They have tasted and, and, and certain things have happened. And yet now there's a turning away and a certain fearful looking to of judgment. What do you, what do, you do with all that? We don't have time tonight to do a thorough examination of these texts. But suffice it to say, here's what Bunyan was confronting in his day, based on Scripture, and what needs to be confronted today. Ken Ham says this, quote, The general 21st century view of living the Christian life is like a revolving door which includes a cycle of easy sinning, convenient repentance, accommodating grace, in other words, we've redefined grace, and benign forgiveness, end quote. Remember what the scripture says, there are those who go about to establish their own righteousness, all right, who... Um, who deny the power of God. We know this today, what some have defined as easy believeism. Okay? In Bunyan's day, there was earnest teaching about repentance, true repentance, faith, and an earnest pursuit of a holy life. In fact, they called it in that day piety. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit in His ongoing work of sanctification in life. We need more of that emphasis today. While a secret sinful life will not cause God to abandon a believer, we surely know there will be chastening for such a life. And what does God say? If there's not chastening, you're illegitimate. God will not abandon a believer. He will chasten, draw the believer back. He will not take away the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for that. But a stony heart can initially embrace the hope of the gospel without true spiritual conversion. And if there is true spiritual conversion, there's another Bible doctrine for you. There will be perseverance. Now, your Christian life is not just this easy glide upward. As one old preacher said, we grow by jerks. And it's true. Uh, I'm pressing on the upward way, trying to gain those new heights, and I'll slip back. But, I, but there is perseverance as we keep our eyes on Christ and we, we confess sin, we take sin seriously, uh, where, where we need to take radical steps to get the sin out of our lives. Christians do that. They persevere. Temptations and trials, though, will easily cause those who are only professors to turn away. I'll tell you what encourages me. I, I see someone come to Christ, a new Christian, and by the way, you always need to pray for new Christians because Satan is going to hammer them. Here, here's a pattern I see. I almost feel like telling new believers now, just beware, you're going to lose your job. I've seen it over and over again. They come to Christ and they're looking for work. But then I watch closely. They continue to trust God. 
They continue to depend. God shows himself mighty to meet their needs and they get another job. But they persevere through his power. And so there are those who were once thought of as brethren, but in unbelief they departed from the living God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Let's see this once again. Chapter 3, look at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So there are some real warnings here. It's not saying a Christian can sin and lose their salvation. But we have to beware that if there hasn't been genuine repentance and then faith in Christ... What you're going to see is someone who maybe has embraced the ideals. When, when Jesus had multitudes following him, there were people that embraced the ideals. But when he really started to teach truth that confronted the realities of the Christian life, taking up a cross and following him, they started to leave off. Until there was a time when the only ones following were the twelve. And Jesus said, will you go also? All right, so, so that's, that's the reality. Now, if you go back in Hebrews chapter 10, and, and again, we don't have time to do all this, but one of the interesting things about those who maybe the seed has fallen on stony ground and there really is not new life in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 in the context, look at verse 25, and here's what you discover. That one of the ways you know that it was not genuine is they forsake the assembling of themselves together. They stop coming to church. You say, okay, so you're going to get on that again. No, no. That is proof positive that you are part of the body. You want to be with the body. That's what the scripture is teaching. And then what else does the Lord say? They went out from us because they were not of us, if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out so that their works might be made manifest. They were not of us. So we have people that are raised in churches like this. Learn the lingo. Learn how to get along. But as they get older, we all get to see whether or not there is really anything in the life that can only be explained by the regenerative work of the Spirit of God. That's exactly what Bunyan is dealing with here. And by the way, when they turn away, you think about this. If you know anybody that's turned away, you can pray for them to come back to the Lord. But how often do they ever come back to the Lord? And I would submit to you tonight that a lot of them are in an iron cage. It was never real. And though you can plead with them. And is it not true that the Lord will? He wants to take them back. Amen. All right. He, he wants to forgive. He wants to save. But how often 
to somebody who has tasted, who has embraced, who has known the, the, the realities of it, at least mentally, and then they turn away from the Lord. How often do they come back? And, and I, I would say to you theologians, you preachers here tonight, if, if, if you're feeling settled in your heart and you want something to stir you up and confuse you, just go to the commentators on this text. It'll drive you crazy. And I, and I think there's enough mystery here that the Holy Spirit is just, this is one of those warning flares in the sky. You, you better pay attention. Okay? You know what one of the most sobering things about heaven will be? Who's not there? Who's not there? But then I think it's going to become a reality to us. You know what? They were nice. They talked the talk. But when it came to really having a heart for God and a life and a heart that was pursuing God, it just wasn't there. They, they liked the fellowship. You know, you come to a church like this, there are a lot of nice people who really care. But did they really care about Christ? All right, so... One of the hardest parts of Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan brings us into this room where there's this guy in this cage. So what's Pilgrim's response to seeing this guy? He says this, this is fearful. God help me watch and to be sober and to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. Sir, is it not time for me to go on my way now? He says to interpreter, can we get out of here? Interpreter says, Terry, till I shall show you one more, one thing more, and then you shall go on your way. And the next thing he's going to show, Pilgrim, He's going to be introduced to a man who wakes up off of his bed from sleep and he's had a dream. We're going to call him Dreamer. And do you know what this man dreams? That he died and he went into eternity without Christ. And, and the immediate thing that Pilgrim sees in Dreamer's life, he is he's shaking. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you wake up and, and it's like, oh, it was a dream. Oh, I don't ever want that to happen again. Well, that's, that's Dreamer. That's who Pilgrim's going to meet next. And what Bunyan does, so you got y'all come back next time. What, Pilgrim do, or what Bunyan does is he takes Dreamer and he, he just gives a fast forward of all the things that the Lord predicts for those who reject Christ. Judgment in hell, uh, missing the rapture, it's, just, it's rapid fire. And you'll hear as, as, as this dreamer talks, he's quoting scripture, things that he's seen in the dream. And so in this one section of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, you, you have these stark realities that are intended to say to a person who is seeking Christ, you better be serious about this, but you better realize that to be absent from the Lord, you are going to experience things in reality that you've never seen or experienced before as a human being. 
But it will be a continuation of what you knew God said and now you're living it. And so we're going to take time to look at Dreamer. These things should motivate us to be evangelist, goodwill, and interpreter for people who the Lord wants to save. But without the gospel and without someone, again, intersecting their pathway to point them to Christ, it could be too late. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the insights of a preacher named John Bunyan. And Lord, thank you that these simple stories can relay profound truths that are meant to grip us. Father, if there's anyone listening tonight, a Christian who treats church like like going out shopping because I might need something, Lord, they need to take a good hard look in their hearts whether or not they're really in the faith. We are so casual and cavalier about what it means to be a Christian. But Lord, your word says some fearful things about those who toy with sin, who serve their lusts, who live for the world, and yet want everybody to think that they're genuinely saved. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. They know it, and everybody around them can see it. So God, help us to be honest with you, with your spirit. Help us to persevere by walking with you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.